Welcome to the Soul Ability Superhuman Laboratory, where we uncover the secrets to upgrading your mind, body, soul, and business. Welcome to the Soul Ability Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael DeMarco, and on today's episode, we have my friend, Michael Zeller. Michael is an entrepreneur based out of Nashville, Tennessee. He has launched over nine businesses in five different industries from fashion to real estate, totaling over $100 million in revenue. I jokingly call him the mayor because if you put all his businesses in one place, it would literally be a town. In this episode, we cover Michael's recommendations on how to build a team you can trust, how he developed his unique style, and what you can do to find yours. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So please enjoy and welcome Michael Zeller. All right, Mike. Well, thank you for joining me today on the Soul Ability Podcast. I really appreciate you doing this for me. Um, so we met, what is it, a few weeks, months ago, weeks yeah, ago now? A month and a half ago, yeah, at Lewis Howell's podcast, or Lewis Howell's uh, School of Greatness Mastermind. Yeah, man. And dude, when I met you, I just like, after getting to know you, you just remind, like when I think about you in my mind, I just think about you as like Iron Man. I don't know why. I just feel like you have so many things going on and you're just able to just manage everything. Um, you know, like you're just like Tony, you're like the real life Tony Stark to me. That's just like, whenever I think of you, that's exactly what goes to my head. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I manage everything well, but I do manage everything uh, pretty good. So, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, like Tony has stuff blowing up in front of him and stuff like that. that. He, yeah, yeah. He needs his, his people to keep everything going. But um, I mean, that's a, like for me. So like the first thing I really wanted to ask you is like, how do you manage so many different things so well? Like you have your clothing company, you do the real estate, you do a lot of like, I don't even know everything that you do really. Like, yeah. how, like how do you do it? So yeah, I'm in six or seven different businesses, soon to be eight and <laughs> with three startups in the works, if I include, you know, those, those guys. And so a big key uh, for me is just hiring smart people and then getting out of their way. And I feel like that's one of the six core fundamental uh, roles that a business owner has, which is recruiting and hiring A players. And uh, and so that's just been a huge focus of, of what I do and, and how I look at business and how I build my businesses is how do I recruit, train, and develop A players. And then A players, they need a lot less management. Yeah, you still have to give them direction, but you hire really talented, smart people and you'll pay them a little bit more than you will uh, a decent or a good employee, but you can get out of their way and they need less direction and less management. So um, mm -hmm. I'm still continually perfecting and refining that process and, and figuring out, you know, what are the right types of people that I need on my team um, that complement me and that, you know, uh, help me replicate myself. But, you know, I'm on that journey and I've made yeah. some headway. So. I will say, I will say this, like you, like you gave me, um, something to help me find an assistant. And I think that you're, you, what you do a really great job at is like defining the roles 
Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I have a lot, I have great people that work for me. You know, I, in my practice, I have um, physical therapists and other doctors and they're professionals yeah. and everybody loves them and they're really great at what they do. But my toughest thing is be able to define their role. Because yeah. in my life, like I try to do so many different things. Like I'm like, yeah. I don't even have a definition of a role. I just do whatever I feel like doing. Yeah. Um, like how do you, how, like how do you, figure that out like how do you do you like sit and like meditate and figure it out or you just like think about it i don't know like how do you how do you figure out what what someone's role is going to be because it the, what you gave me was like super detailed and mm-hmm. anyone i showed it to they they thought i was a genius and i was like i didn't come up with this this is not from me <laughs> <laughs> awesome well, just an advertisement for and the executive uh, assistant. Yeah, yeah. just uh, yeah. like something you would uh, like a yellow pages ad or uh, like online, like uh, you play on monster.com, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I, I started out with the whole hiring process, which you saw an example of, is at the very beginning, I started out with what is wh- like, what is a person's strengths and discovering their personality and their wiring and their pro- proclivity for where they want they are going to be playing out of their sweet spot. And then I, I started thinking about like, it, how do I align myself so that I'm playing out of my sweet spot and they are playing out of, their, out of their sweet spot more and more and more over time. So that's the end goal. Now we all have to play out a position here and there, especially in earlier stage companies. Um, but a big key is, is beginning the process early of identifying who they are, what they're most gifted at, what they what makes them come alive. And that's another key to keeping great people is like if, if I have them doing what they love doing, mm-hmm. they're going to be much less likely to want to move or to quit or to do something else. And that's why my retention rate's a little bit better, if not much better than most people in terms of hiring. I rarely make a bad hire. Right. So, yeah, so I start out with the personality test before they even – uh, before they even are interviewed, mm-hmm. I want to know what they are, what they're gifted at. So you help them figure it out. Like they don't already have to know what they're gifted at. Yeah. I mean, if they haven't done the strengths finder, the Myers Briggs or the disc, typically before we even interview them, definitely before we hire them, uh, we will have them do those tests. And then, uh, of course, you know, Enneagram is a new one that's pretty popular and Colby Index is another great one that uh, we haven't uh, fully implemented to the level we want to, but we're in the early stages of doing that. And it's been pretty revelational in terms of understanding our team and, and where people are gifted and wired for. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever get like any resistance like for when you ask people to take those tests, like I already took these or, um, I don't know. If they've already taken them, then yeah, they'll just say, this is what our, my, my results were. Mm-hmm. The, but no, most people actually really like it. And, okay. then, and then when I frame it up the way I do in the, the job description and that, Hey, one of my goals and it's a true goal is to get people aligned and and in right position for who they are and where they're most gifted. Now, do you have like every single person take that, those tests? Cause you know, they cost money mm-hmm. or do you, 
go through a process first and then you're like, all right, these people are going to take the tests. So you're not just wasting money on taking those tests. Well, but I would also challenge that assumption. And that's, that's where a lot of business owners go wrong is they're, they are a little short sighted mm-hmm. in terms of, all right. And, and this, like, if you think about it, if I'm going to hire someone, you know, a bad hire is a lot more costly than, than most people realize. I mean, you, you end up, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, it's a huge expense. Dude, they could ruin uh, uh, all the work that you put in. Like, uh, yeah, and emotional momentum mm-hmm. and everything too. And in time is precious. And so, like, for me to spend fifty or seventy-five dollars or a hundred dollars on some test, that's really a drop in the hat. Especially, I'm going to spend that in the first, depending on the employee and the pay rate. Mm-hmm. I might spend that on them for the first three hours that they work for me. Right. So if I'm, uh, it, it, I, so it makes sense that if I'm going to hire them and spend money on employing them and using their, their time and money and they're trading their time and their, or some money, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Time is money. Time and energy. And then they also, it, it creates a, a sense of confidence and, in, and, in, power that me as the employer cares enough about them to play out of their sweet spot that they're going to get some value and we're going to do everything we can to move them in the direction. And then I create, it starts creating an open door policy of they can bring up stuff with me like, Hey, you want I have an employee right now, 90 days into her role. She wants to move out of a of part of her position mm-hmm. and streamline it. I don't have an issue with that. I'm like, cool, that's fine. Just find, let's find a solution. Propose some different solutions for me and, and we can go with that. And that will free up her bandwidth to do some other stuff that I can reposition her a little bit more deeply mm-hmm. um, in an area that she will really like and thrive in. Okay, I like that. Like I try to give my employees a lot of freedom but sometimes they need the guidance too. I feel like. Oh yeah, they you know do. Hundred I mean? percent. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, I, I think that's something I'm going to implement in the future is the personality test because so, there's certain people that when you try to give that freedom to, it doesn't work out so well. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of take advantage of it, um, or they try to. Yeah. So you have to just like get rid of them. But uh, and but it's a costly mistake. Like you hired that person, you trained yeah. them. Um, they they know things about your business that they didn't before yeah um, and used to either do on their own or for competition um so i really i really like that i think that you have that like down to a science even though it's a well every science is always developing right so mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate you sharing that um so on a different note is there anything, so you're like a, you're a fit guy, right? And you, yeah. you dress well, you look well. So like, how do you, how did you figure out your style and what do you do for like exercise, like meditation, physical activity? Do you follow a specific diet? Um, I just want to get into like the you. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So, um, I, I mean, so it really began for me now I've always been in the health and fitness just growing up, but more fitness and then eventually health because I noticed 
like it, it hit me my my senior senior year of high school I went through this um, athletic training like sports training program uh, for baseball and had a trainer and he was putting you through drills to really you know whip you into shape and he also recommended a lot of diet changes and and so one was to cut out all fried foods and when I did that I did that over the next year and cut out other things like wheat and a lot of dairy products cutting out that and what happened is i leaned up and my energy went up significantly and then i noticed like i i remember like about a year into it i just kind of splurged and i used to like uh long john silvers long john silver so what's your favorite thing there (laughs) they're they're like beer battered whatever chicken and fish uh they're so Uh, good probably so i went and got it Mm-hmm. And the, the next day I felt depressed. Like oh, yeah. uh, and so my body, like I felt the effects of how eating like crap. Now, most of us, uh, we eat, we're not that disciplined in how we eat. So we're slowly kind of poisoning ourselves. And I you know with you, with you being a chiropractor and your health and wellness background, you know, the drill. Oh yeah. But, uh, well, you see, Pete, like that's, I, I think that's interesting because like people do these things on a daily basis all the time and they desensitize themselves to it. Exactly. And, yeah. And then you did it for a year, over a year. And then you ate that thing once and you immediately felt it. Like you felt the difference. Like you were in so yeah. in tune with your body. Yeah. You, you have to do that. Exactly. And then like three or four years later, I remember a week that, uh, uh, my buddy, my roommate got married and he had all this extra spinach salad left over. And I was a poor like grad student at the time, not making much money. So I ate spinach salad for a week. <laughs> and, like a vegan? Like no, uh, no protein? No, we, we had protein, but okay. I had chicken and stuff on it. But I remember how great I felt like in day three. I was like, wow, this is, I'm feeling freaking amazing like light and energetic and and that was another contrast back to the the long john silvers is like i that stuff i feel like death and mm-hmm. this stuff i feel alive and oh, yeah. so it's just something i built into my life and my pattern of and i'm just gonna i'm gonna eat clean and eat healthy and it's gonna take me to another level is one of my goals as a human being is like how do i be so fully engaged so fully alive that that I have maximum energy and maximum joy. And I learned a lot of that from Tony Robbins as well, too, of like, dude, energy is the juice and the fuel of life. Mm-hmm. So if I'm feeling alive versus I'm feeling like I'm dying, like I have the flu, then that's a huge contrast. And, then, and that is much more enjoyable, much more fulfilling. So I'm going to live in a deeper level of fulfillment and energy and joy. Um, so that's, that's a huge goal for me. Yeah. Like you not only put the food in your body that gives you energy, but you make business opportunities, decisions, all those things. Yeah. That it's like the same lesson, right? Like if you just do that, you're like, you'll be successful. Yeah. And yeah. if you unsensitize yourself to things mm-hmm. like may, you know, have you, when you make a certain amount of money, you kind of get desensitized. I feel like, to what it was like back when you had nothing, like when you're in grad mm-hmm. school and, you know, eating spinach salad for a week. Yeah. Uh, 
have you ever done anything to just like take you out of that to resensitize yourself? Uh, yeah, every now and then I'd say once every once or twice a month, I get tempted to, you know, get a pizza, get some, you know, eat pound out some, some desserts several days in a row or something like that. And if I give into it and I occasionally do for sure. And like the next day I just feel more sluggish or, <laughs> or that night. And then if I stack two or three days in a row where I just didn't eat that clean, mm-hmm. I had a little too much alcohol two days in a row. Like if I have three drinks, two or three nights in a row or two drinks, two or three nights in a row, then by day two or day three, I'm just feeling a lot more sluggish because my body has actually become much more acidic. Oh yeah. As you know, so, and then, Oh, your second question too, about fashion. Yeah, dude. Uh, cause that's one of the things that I struggle with. Cause I kind of don't care that much about it, yeah. but I know it's important and I've been looking into it and like making those decisions that I get like super decision fatigue thinking about. Yeah. Clothes <laughs> like going into a, a store and trying to pick something out. Like how did you do that? Were you always that way? Like always fashion inclined? Did you have a fashion company? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't actually. And it was when I lived in LA when I was 25. Um, and, and my buddy, Anthony Alexander, he was an actor and a model. And we met at, actually at a church and we became buddies and he was my best friend for the summer. And, and he was incredibly fashionable dude like he looked like this he was six foot three african-american uh actually from haiti uh but he spoke french and russian and english and (laughs) haitian of course and but when we would uh when we would go out just we could go out to the gym or chipotle or something like that the dude was he was rolling in some fashion like he was just a fashionable hip dude and straight guys would come up to him at Ch- in Chipotle and say, like, dude, I love your outfit, man. Where, where'd you get it? You got great style. I'm like, what the freak? <laughs> you know? And girls, I mean, we couldn't go out anywhere without some girl commenting on his style, on his fashion. And at the time, my, my sense of style was, you know, I thought Timberland shoes were really hip and cool. Banana Republic was you know, even higher fashion than I was used to, um, <laughs> things like that. And, and, and he just like dove into it one, like once we, he got comfortable and he's like, Mike, dude, we need to step up your game. And because I was also wearing stuff that wouldn't fit right. Like right. the shorts were too baggy. The, I never got stuff tailored. I was too cheap to get stuff tailored. Um, and I didn't really care enough about it. Yeah. The fit for me is always something that I ran into, like when I was bigger, especially like you go to the store and try to buy stuff and it doesn't, it fits your shoulders, but not your stomach or your pants. Yeah, exactly. Your legs, but not your waist. Like, (laughs) yeah, such a huge pain, pain in the ass, literally. But, um, yeah. So, um, but he convinced me to one to step up and buy these like more slender jeans, these diesel jeans, and I had never bought, I mean, they weren't that expensive, but I never bought a pair of jeans at that point. This is 13 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. I never bought a pair of jeans that were more than like 60, 70 bucks. Mm-hmm. He made me buy a shirt that I never bought a single shirt that was more than like $50. Yeah. 
at that point. And, and also a pair of shoes that were like regular retail were like 300 bucks and, and they, um, he got a discount He negotiated a discount with the store owner. But at, at the end of the day, I ended up saving, well, I ended up spending almost $400 on a single outfit. Mm-hmm. which was crazy. It was <laughs> that is crazy for most people. Like most people yeah. can't, can't go that route, but yeah. Yeah. So I spent almost 400 bucks, but that one outfit, whenever I would wear that outfit or some combination thereof for the next year, mm-hmm. I literally would get compliments every single time. Just about like I, my shoes, uh, people would comment on my shoes because they were these crazy snake skin, looking halfway up your, you know, ankle boots with, mm-hmm. uh, with a pointy toe. And I felt, I felt like I looked like an elf. <laughs> that's no. exactly what I was, when you're saying it, that's what I'm picturing in my head. Like, yeah. like what stakes. <laughs> I felt like an elf and, and, but Anthony, like we were an hour and a half, two hours into our shopping tour and I hadn't bought anything and I was just resistant to Anthony the whole freaking time. And because I was like, oh, this is too much money. This is too much money. This is so weird, different stuff. I'm not used to wearing these tight of jeans and this tight of a shirt. And he just stayed in it. And finally, we got in, in a shouting match on Sunset Boulevard, Boulevard in, in Hollywood. He's like, Mike, if you are not listening to me, why am I here? This is stupid. I'm not, I know what I'm doing. Trust me. You've got to trust me. I'm tired of this. Trust me. And in this, we were raising our voice at each other. And finally, I was like, all right, I give in. I'll suck it up and buy those things. <laughs> and finally, yeah, I should have buy clothes. Yeah, yeah. Finally, I did. I mean, it was because it was just so far out of my comfort zone. Uh-huh. And I did that. And then I go back to Nashville, where I moved to Nashville like a few weeks later. And, and, like everyone complimented me on those outfits and it shifted the way I perceived myself mm-hmm. in the way I, the way others interacted with me when I was wearing that stuff versus when I was wearing my banana Republic or my boring stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, dude, there's, there really is something to this fashion game and I need to pay attention to it. And because it shifts how not only others perceive me, but how I feel about myself, which shifts how I interact with the world and the mission that I, if I'm committed to my mission of making a difference, building great businesses, investing deeply in people, you know, being a powerful leader, then I need to remove roadblocks that could hinder that and create and, and make decisions that anchor me and strengthen me in that as well. So it created a whole shift in new paradigms for me. And so over the next, the next couple of years, I just started investing a little bit more money and paying a little more attention to my shoes, to my jeans, to my shirts, to things I would buy. And I still wouldn't spend that much. You know, I went some years, I spent less than a thousand dollars a year on fashion related things. But when I did buy something, I was very intentional about it. So, and, you, so you felt like, do you focus on, all right, this piece is going to add value to my, to my life, my wardrobe. And then you use that strategically like throughout the year. Yeah. Well, and and it's just, you start figuring out your own style and it does become a little bit of an art. Mm -hmm. And now I had to get expanded out. Now 
outside of my regular comfort zone and when it came to fashion now so some of this fashion stuff i wear like i got these i've got 10 pairs eight or nine pairs at least of these high-end cool very unique italian boots that you'll never meet anyone that has those same shoes you just won't um and then even like i'm wearing some red air jordans right now uh low top that are just freaking awesome super comfortable but i get complimented on them all the time too just air jordan now they're really unique you don't see them around very much mm-hmm. um and they're super comfortable which is one of the reasons i like them um and then i can wear those with a sport coat with going out casual wear or i can wear them to work out so it's they're like my favorite shoes to travel in because they're so versatile they're artsy and and fashionable enough i can go to a business meeting wearing them and and or i can wear them to work out or i can just wear them for casual hangout so um shoes and you know with my menswear brand trim uh it's wearTrim.com. with that one of the things we emphasize is like get your staples right get some of your fundamental essentials your you get a great pair of jeans that fits you right it's not too baggy it's not too long, not too wide of the waist. Get it tailored, get it modified if you have to. Then get some great shoes. Uh, like having, and I'm not talking about just going to your Aldo's type shoe store, but get some unique, freaking awesome shoes. Um, and when when you and I are in LA next, that's, yeah. that's I'm going to take your shoe shopping, man. So All give, right. put put aside five hundred to thousand bucks just on shoes, and we're going to get you some freaking awesome shoes that you're gonna love all right (laughs) but uh shoes and then get shirts that fit right and stylish high-end shirts they don't have to be flamboyant in your face but they can just be refined and and classy uh with a little bit of uniqueness Mm -hmm. a little bit of an edge you know that's what we specialize in with my clothing line um as well And, and they fit better you know they're not the loose baggy boxy shirts that a lot of other companies make yeah i like the stuff you have on there yeah it's kind of like your your uniform like your superhero uniform yeah 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 exactly yeah Yeah. like how do you like we i've read a lot of articles and stuff like that you meet successful entrepreneurs like you see steve jobs he was always wearing the same exact thing every day uh mark zuckerberg always has like a t-shirt and jeans um Obama wear like kind of the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. Is, do you do anything similar to that? Or what do you think about people wearing almost the same thing every day to avoid like decision fatigue? Cause that's kind of like what I was thinking about doing. Um, not exactly the same thing, but within the same. Yeah. Or do you do something kind of almost totally different? Yeah. Uh, every day. Great question. So uh, yeah, I go back. I think about that too, because that does make decision making a lot easier and and you have limited brain power so you you don't have to think about that one then you can dive right into whatever you're creating um but for me it's a little too boring yeah um but i have i have staples and i have a typical kind of life pattern for what i'm wearing so for example, I'm wearing one of my favorite denim shirts right now. Uh, my favorite black 
or gray charcoal denim jeans, one of my black trim t-shirts. And this is a pretty common outfit here that I'm wearing. And so I have my wardrobe mainly consists of whites, blacks, and blues. And, and so I choose from those every day. It, it doesn't take me a long time to go in. I go in and pull something from the, the rack and, and address for the meetings as well. So mm-hmm. if I'm meeting with bankers or old school, you know, more professional people, then I'm, I'm going to be wearing a sport coat that right. day. So it just depends on the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to definitely, you don't want to underdress, which I've made the mistake of plenty of times. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, figure out who you're meeting, you know, what type of environment you're going to be in today and and align your fashion with that. Because it does, it, it is an impression. Right. And, and so we got to think about, Fashion is part of how we're making an impression on the world, and it's part of our personal brand. Mm-hmm. So both to our team, to our potential customers or clients, and, and to anyone, if we're romantic, you know, to, in the dating world, that's also part of your brand. Right, right. Girls, girls will notice your shoes really quick. It's one of the, the first thing a girl notices is your eyes, one of the second things she notices is typically your shoes. And if you have your <laughs> boring ass shoes, she starts making a judgment. This dude's probably, he's probably boring in bed. Uh, good thing I'm married. <laughs> hey, but you step up your fashion game and we'll watch what happens with your wife. You will, she, she might be a little more excited. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I'll test that out. Yeah, yeah. Let's surprise her when you come back from LA next round. Let's let's surprise her with some a freaking badass new new Michael DeMarco. Some elf shoes. Yeah, some elf shoes. Some elf shoes. <laughs> she might, depending on how uh, she, she might need a little adjustment into that one. So, well, I mean, I'm a chiropractor, so I could adjust. Yeah, her. yeah, yeah. So that's true. That's right. Um, so, do you get like a different reaction when you? So you live between Nashville and you're in LA a lot. Mm-hmm. Like LA, people are a little bit more fashion forward. They're oh, yeah. kind of the different things. Like they're used to elf shoes and stuff like that. Yeah. Like when you go back to Nashville, like do you get it? Maybe sometimes more of a response because it's it's so different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, and now Nashville has because of our music scene, we definitely have some artsy. Right, stylish, creative dressers, but it is a little more traditional. Um, yeah, so I get a little bit more of a reaction. Now, the thing when I'm dressing appropriately for LA culture, it's like a blend in, a fit in, and instead of someone writing me off on first glance, let's say I'm oh, at a... Do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but instead of doing that, they're like, oh, what's, what's this guy up to? Mm-hmm. He's... he's it's got a little bit of flair, a little bit of style to his to his wardrobe. Something's. I'm curious. What what is he doing? Like, there's a respect mm-hmm. that comes, and it's just same same thing in Wall Street. Like, let's you're on Wall Street, you're wearing a freaking amazing suit. People no, people notice. Like, that's the wardrobe of that environment. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. I'm happy I don't work in that environment because I could do that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's crazy. And my wife works on Wall Street, so it's, uh, it's yeah. crazy. you know it's high stress and yeah. 
people wear you gotta wear suits all the time i guess yep. or some people don't like you know like some of the hedge fund managers you watch the show billions i love that mm-hmm. show. like mm-hmm. axe he, ne- he never wears a suit he kind of yeah yeah but yeah. i was saying to one of my friends that i'm not at that level yet you know where i'm a billionaire and i could just wear whatever i want and no matter what people think of you you have all the you have most of the power because you have the money expected them yep 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 totally but uh yeah man so i think that we have a lot of value in this conversation even though it hasn't been very long yeah i know you're a busy guy and we'll do this again so i'm gonna just end it there i think it's a good note if there's is there anything that you want to share with the audience or people can find you um i know you have a bunch of ton of companies just yeah. some of the things that can help people just like your you know your clothing company yeah so mikezeller.com is my main website uh, i do blog and write about lifestyle design entrepreneurship and even occasionally some matters of love like some you know dating romance stuff because that's a topic that fascinates me as well uh, so feel free to check me out there if you're interested in my clothing line wear trim uh, com is where you go for that and uh and just message me and i'll shoot you guys a little uh 20 off coupon as well uh through the site and we'll get get that started but yeah i would love for you guys uh to check that out and uh pleasure being on the show man and mm-hmm. i'm excited for what you guys are what you're creating and and what you're up to and can't wait to see you again soon dude thank you for that i appreciate that a lot yeah I mean, everybody has to just read his blog whatever Mike writes is it's great content. Thanks bro. I haven't read anything by you that just, I didn't read and just think like, Holy shit, this guy, he knows what he's talking about. So all right, brother, I'll, uh, we'll, uh, talk soon. All right. Sounds great. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Please do me a huge favor. And if you like today's episode and you want more people to hear about it or you want to hear something specific, go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Or you can also connect with us on Facebook. And if you message us, I'll answer you. I'll answer any questions you want. Um, thank you so much, guys. And I look forward to growing and expanding my universe with you.